Welcome back to the All Things Random Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Love. Today we are joined by a guy who I went to high school with, and then he disappears for a while. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it. You ready, sir? Yeah. All right. Today I have John William Bertel, Johnny Bertel. And we went to high school together, 2000, class 2000. Yep. And then uh, there, there's people on your Facebook page that you'll you'll pop in and see how they're doing in life. And some that interest you and some you could just give two shits about. <laughs> John was always that one that intrigued me. Because there's things that he he's done in his life that, fuck, a lot of people are still stuck here in Blissfield. And you've been around places. Yeah, I've been to a couple. So after high school, you went to New York, and uh, you were saying around 2001. Yeah, February 2001. I was about to turn 19. New York's no better, a great place for a 19-year-old, right? Yeah, especially with no supervision. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I moved there. So I actually went to um, Lansing first. I had a girlfriend that was going to college at Michigan State, and I lived there for Oh, this mic is cutting out. Yeah, yeah. Pull it closer. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I had a girlfriend that was going to Michigan State, and I moved there to be with her, you know. And then my brother, my eldest brother, lived in Washington, Washington D.C., and he called me up one day, and he's like, hey, man, you want to move to New York City? I found a spot, and it's, you know, this much money. And I told him, hell yeah. And... I believe it was less than a week later we were on our way out there. And so that was the beginning of my grand adventure. So is your, your brother still out there? Or? No, he's actually a farmer in Washington state. Now he lives near the Pacific coast. Farmer. Yeah. Yeah. He's gone. He's done, you know, a lot of things too. You know, he's been all over the place. I, I only know of one farmer in the Washington state area. Yeah. That's John Belushi. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's a big, marijuana guy out there oh you? sweet yeah good for him um so you were in new york 9 11 you were you there that day yes how how fucking crazy was new york that day it so like when it happened i was still asleep okay and when the first plane hit i was still asleep and then <clears throat> excuse me my brother woke me up and told me you know um a plane crashed in the world trade center mm -hmm. and I said to him, whatever's happening will still be happening when I wake up. Right. So I went back to sleep and then I woke up and realized like how serious the situation was. And we went down to, I lived on Staten Island at the time. And so that's like, I don't know exactly how far from the Southern tip of Manhattan it is. It's like a mile or something like that. So I went out to the edge of the water to like, look at things and watched the second tower fall. Yeah, and it was weird. Like, I'll never forget every time in, like, late summer, early fall that there's a, like, perfectly clear blue sky day and it's warm and there's, like, a very light breeze, like a perfect day. I always think of 9-11 because that's the kind of day it was there. Right. And I'll never forget the sound that everybody made, like, as it started falling and there was a crowd of people standing there watching and everyone made the same sound and it was just, like, a low murmur, like a, oh, oh. And, you know, the shit fell and then a dust cloud took over the whole 
city and we couldn't see anything for right. days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen guys where I've heard guys that they they were like down there. Right. And then the one guy I listened to and he was, uh, basically in the trade area. Okay. And he talks about how he went back the next week to get his car and his car was in a parking garage and it was half of it was blocked by something. I don't okay. know what it was, but like the building or something. Right. It goes in one half had like four inches of dust on it and the other was perfectly fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was crazy. I mean, that shit burned for, I've, as far as I can remember, it seemed like over a month that it was burning for. It'd be horrible. Yeah. And it like the smell was bad. And they used, I lived near the Staten Island Yankees baseball stadium and they like closed it off and used it for like storage of deceased people. Mm-hmm. It was just a bad scene all around. Right. I went down to my friend, Matt DeCio and I actually went down to the army recruiting office that day because like, you know, we were young and we were pissed and it was, you right. know, we wanted to kill whoever did this right. and we tried to sign up and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they weren't taking anybody. So well. Yeah. Like we felt like our hands were tied, you know, it was, it was scary. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, that almost everybody can tell you where they were when that happened. Like I was, I was working as an auto mechanic in Tecumseh. Nice. And (laughs) we heard it on the radio, drug out an old TV and we watched the second one. Yeah. It's horrible. Something like that. But I couldn't imagine being within miles, within seeing distance. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it really. Like I don't, I don't think that somebody seeing it on TV felt any like different feelings than I did about it. You know, like I don't think you had to be there in order to be like seriously emotionally affected by it. You know, I don't think so. either. It gave off the same energy basically. Yeah. The whole country was angry. Yeah. You know? Uh, So after that, I see you were a tattoo artist. Yeah. You still do that? Still dad? No. So because of my history with drugs and alcohol and, um, in my, in my experience, at least those two things are linked. I'm not saying that the tattoo industry and the drug industry are linked. I'm saying that for me personally, the environment, um, leads me to using drugs, like making easy money, meeting a lot of people, um, being able to trade my art for drugs um it's just not good for me i've tried it you know i've like gotten sober and started tattooing and relapsed almost immediately a couple of times Mm -hmm. and this last time since moving to ann arbor and getting sober um i did one tattoo like i have a friend in toledo who he lives in blissfield um charlie somebody is his name on facebook you probably know him Mm -hmm. um he owns steel addictions and he wanted me to work there. You know, he, he wanted to open a tattoo shop in Blissfield and wanted me to work there as well. So like I was resistant to it because of the, the fear of the drug use. And I decided to try it anyway, to see like if I could still do it. And I went down there one day, two or three years ago and did one tattoo and the tattoo came out good, but it just didn't feel right for me anymore. I don't think it's for me anymore. And now tattoo artists are, you know, like the industry in the past 20 years has gone so far. And like, I would have to relearn everything. I learned from like an old school biker dude. And 
I don't even think that the kind of machines that I used then are the popular machines to use these days. Probably not. I you I've seen oh the hell there's those TV shows on it. Right. The tattoos, but just some of them people the amazing work that they can do. Yeah, I can't hang with those guys. <laughs> I don't even pretend. Um, so you you talked about your drug use. Yeah. And you're you're sober now? I am. Good. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, that's I've never had an issue with drugs or even been around a lot of the, some of the stuff like nice. weed, marijuana, it's fucking right. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think the last time I smoked was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice dude. And, uh, I knew that moment when that last time I smoked was stupid. Yeah. When I didn't add milk to macaroni and cheese <laughs> and I still fucking ate it. I knew this is not for me. That was it. That was it. I need milk in my mac and cheese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I get it. I get but it. I know there are some people that have those addictive tendencies yeah. for things. And oh, yeah. The, it's a disease, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a disease. I, I agree. It affects people different ways. And there's people that can live on it. But there's people that it screws up their entire life. Yeah. Do you feel you were on that path? Yeah, man. Like if I take a substance, then something changes in me and I absolutely cannot stop. Like I've done everything. Like I, I'm a pretty strong willed person, you know, and I ain't no bitch. Like I can take a lot of pain. I can take a lot of suffering. Um, I used to tell myself I'm not afraid of anything. I've since realized that I'm afraid of almost everything, but, um, withdrawal from opiates is like to me the scariest possible thing that i can imagine because it's not just like it's not just something missing like you feel like this black hole this void like you and i don't even know how to describe it exactly it's just when i start using a substance Mm -hmm. i cannot stop no matter what right and it's not a matter of willpower or defect of character or anything like that it's a sickness mm-hmm. i feel my mind change and like no matter how bad i want to stop i cannot well so you, you talk about your pain threshold and then your i can't remember the word you said it too but there was a night in july how many years ago now oh for the neck injury yeah um geez it was 2000 J- july 13th 2013 I know it's like almost eight years ago now. Yeah. Man. And you just call it a neck injury. Yeah. You don't call it a attempted murder. Yeah. I mean, it totally was attempted murder. <laughs> how, how you recovered great from that, right? Yeah. I have a little bit of, um, a lack of range of motion in my left shoulder. My sternocleidomastoid got pretty severely damaged, but since like I've, I've had other muscles that have, um, um, compensated for that. And I have a little bit of a squinty left eye, which is called Horner syndrome. And my pupils don't, um, dilate properly. Right. And I have no jugular vein in the left side like of my neck. How close to death were you? Uh, apparently I lost 60% of my blood on the scene and another 10%, um, en route to the hospital. And, um, he was two millimeters away from my carotid artery. So I guess two millimeters from death. 
Mike Gunter was was on the scene there. He was um at the bar actually and he was helping to like try to keep me alive until the ambulance got there. Mm-hmm. And I remember him describing to me feeling like holding this t-shirt over my neck and like feeling the blood pump out and saying to himself that, you know, he was going to lose me or that we were going to lose me. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty close. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. <laughs> but you're here now. Yeah. And now what whatever happened to this douche? So, um he when he slit my throat, because that's what happened, you know, right. slit my throat. Um, he grabbed me by the back of the neck, and when he stabbed me, he stabbed himself too, and he cut his hand. Mm-hmm. And he fled the scene, fled the scene, and went to the hospital and got stitches. Yeah, I stabbed my hand. Yeah, yeah, guy. yeah. <laughs> no, dude, <laughs> fucking crazy. Like duct tape that shit. You know, <laughs> go home. So he got caught. The funny thing is. The police chief at the time, Chief Kelly, Mm -hmm. who I'm sorry to say is a fucking idiot. um, She went to the hospital to apprehend him, thinking that she was going to apprehend me and that I was like the perpetrator of this. And so she went there and she picked him up and he, you know, he got arrested. He went to jail and there was a trial or, you know, a a pretrial and the um, district attorney uh mark castleberry i think that's his name something castleberry um he told me before like right before they decided to charge him he told me that he would pursue the attempted murder charges if i wanted him to Mm -hmm. but that um michigan is a stand your ground state so if he he was claiming self-defense and if he could convince one juror that, that there's a possibility that he was in fear of his life, mm-hmm. then a hung jury would be declared and the county would not pay for another trial. So he would get off scot-free. So the other offer that he made was to give this guy um, a three felony plea bargain, which was assault with intent to do great bodily harm, less than murder, um, felonious assault and possession with unlawful intent. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, do it. You know, he'll be a felon for the rest of his life. Right. It was, he would serve his sentence congruently and it was a three to five um, sentence or in the sentencing guidelines. Right. And he accepted the plea and he did three years and got out on parole. Mm-hmm. And then I got a notification from the court system sometime after he got out on parole saying that he had violated parole and returned and so he served the other two years and he's you know he's been out for probably three years now yeah yep and i don't know anything about him i like you probably don't give a fuck to know anything about the guy no no i don't you know like i've done a lot of work on myself since getting sober Mm -hmm. and like forgiveness of myself and of others is a big part of like my spiritual program now and um, I forgive the guy, you know, like I recognize that he didn't know me mm-hmm. and it's possible that he believed that what he was doing was righteous. Right. You know, so, you know, like I let it go. I can't hold on to that stuff. I can't let some guy who I don't even know affect the rest of my life. Like right. he caught me, he gave me a cool scar. He gave me a good story, yeah. you know, like. 
I wish him luck. I hope that I hope that he's okay, and I hope that whatever he was dealing with that caused him to get to the place that he got, I hope that he's healed from that as well. I I probably would have still hated the guy, <laughs> <laughs> but you're a different person. You've but see, you've shit. Um, it's part of everybody's part of your learning. Your yeah. you know your growth. Yeah, you know of who you are now. Yeah, man. I mean, I've been a shitty person, you know, like I've done a lot of shitty things to good people. And who am I to fucking hold a grudge against somebody when like, there's so many things that I've done that I've gotten away with. Um, It's not my place to judge people or to look down on people because like anything that you've done, like I've done something just as bad, right? you know? So like, I try not to worry about the past. I want the best for everybody. And, and that's that. Yeah. Not everybody's a saint. No, I don't. I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody's really a saint. No. I don't believe that shit. Everybody's done something in their life that they regret. Oh yeah. You know, you people sit here, no regrets, no regrets. Right. Bullshit. Right. You have something. Yeah. And you know, like there can be, you can have no regrets. Like I don't regret anything because it's brought me to where I am, but there are still some things that like, I know I should have handled differently. Right. You know, there's, I think there's a difference there. Like I can, I can honor the mistakes that I've made and where they've brought me. Um, and still recognize that they're mistakes. So are you, are you happy with John William Bertle now? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. You can look back at all your, your life. Everybody, people also say, I don't look back at shit. Right. Everybody looks back. At yeah, for everything. sure. And you, you want to be in a happy place. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be happy. Right. It's just how they get there. Or, you know, I fucking, I don't know. Shit. Laying on a couch makes me fucking happy. Right. Time. Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> but you know, there's, there's, there's steps to getting happy. And you've, you've made those steps. You're getting there. I would say, yeah, I would say that I'm on a journey and that, um, how do I put this? My life is better now than it has ever been in the past. And it's not where I want it to be yet. You know, like I know that I still have a long way to go. And I can, you know, like I still have a lot of uh, emotional pain and like I've been depressed for a couple of months now because of some stuff that's gone on in my life. And, um, I can feel those feelings and be okay with them. You know, like I don't need them to change right now. Like I can process stuff and I can like have a spiritual interaction with my higher power Mm -hmm. and, um, I can grow. You know, like, I don't, I don't feel like there's a a goal for my life and like, I'm going to get there and then I'm just going to sit there and that's where I'm going to finally be happy. You know, like I'm learning to be okay, no matter how things are. Right. That's, that's my goal. I want to be okay with anything. Right. So you, you talk about your journey. And so after New York. Yeah. Where'd you go? You disappeared again. Yeah. So, I mean, after New York. So I was hopelessly addicted to heroin when I was out there. It was 2008, I believe. 
two of my brothers, my family was well aware of my situation, you know, like after 9-11. So I, I said I moved out to New York with my older brother. Um, after 9-11, he moved away. And then it was just me there for like seven years and uh, or six years. And th- I went off the rails, you know, like I was all alone, zero supervision and like nobody that I really knew. And yeah, I got hopelessly addicted to drugs and alcohol and like the party rock star lifestyle that a tattoo artist lives. And I had, um, I had taken a, a large front of heroin from this drug dealer that I dealt with. He was a friend of mine, but he was a drug dealer first, you know, and I took a large front from him and I shot up in my hand and I mixed cocaine with heroin. It's called a speedball. And if you inject cocaine into a part of your body and miss the vein it swells up really bad it can look so i missed in my hand with the cocaine shot and my hand swelled up really bad it looked like i broke my hand i couldn't work for like three weeks so it was the very first shot that i did out of this large front that i took from this guy then i had no way to work and make money to pay him back but you know naturally i kept using the drugs and you know, a month went by and I hadn't paid him and he was like paying me visits. And the last visit that I got from him, he, he like, he came personally, which he didn't usually do. And he was like, John, listen, man, like you're my boy. And I know that you fucked up your hand. Like I told him that I broke it some other way. And, um, he's like, I've let you slide for a long time, but I need this money. I don't want to have to send so-and-so here to fuck you up, you know? And, that was the last conversation I had with him. Like, luckily my brothers showed up at around that same time. And I like in the middle of the night went to the tattoo shop, took all my stuff out of there with them and like drove out of New York and came back to Michigan. And then I started going to rehabs out here. And then that was a, a long process of like, trying different things, trying Suboxone and like other medically assisted treatment programs and just like trying to control my drug and alcohol use and live a normal life. And I did that from about 2009 until 2017, which on New Year's Eve, 2017, I got, I got in a fight with my friend and fucking bit his hand and sent him to the hospital and yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, he forgave me. I was actually the best man in this guy's wedding a couple of years later. Um, he was not happy with me at the time though, so I didn't remember it at all. But yeah, he was like trying to restrain me during a during an altercation, and I just like turned into a wild animal when I black out. Right, and I fucking bit him, and then I got home, and I went to sleep on the couch, and I have this memory. I don't remember biting him. I don't remember the altercation at all. I remember like having a good time on New Year's Eve with my friend and his um, fiance and then going home and falling asleep on the couch comfortably. And when I opened my eyes, I saw the fucking fluorescent lights of the Lenawee County Jail, oh. you know? And so I find out later <laughs> that I didn't go home and go to sleep comfortably. Like I bit my buddy. I then went home, smashed a bunch of like liquor bottles and stuff in my house and then passed out on the couch and my youngest brother came home and woke me up like what the fuck is all this and i was still blacked out and i was still in a rage and i started strangling him 
and his girlfriend was there. And I think my mom showed up and somebody called the police and I went outside to confront the police and you know, they fucking arrested me. Did you get tased? Huh? Did you get tased? Not, I don't think so. Not this time. There's a different time that I got maced. Oh. I didn't get tased. <laughs> um, but I do remember, so I got arrested. I went to jail. I do remember when I was in court and they were reading the police report for that day. Um, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always embarrassing to like be sober and hear like I did, I did what you did. I, I did that. Yeah. So they said, they said when Mr. Bertle was questioned about the broken glass, he responded, people have been living according to this way of life for decades true (laughs) (laughs) right and then and then some other nonsense about not ratting out my blood brother i don't know yeah just a bunch of crazy (laughs) it sounds like the kind of bullshit that i'll spat right but you know it didn't make any sense and it didn't have any attachment to reality so how long basically since you came back from new york yeah you've been in and out of rehabs yeah trying to help yourself yep and which one finally worked? What what recipe finally caught up with you? And it's like, fuck, I, I do have a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, so I always knew it was a problem, but I always had this idea in my head that, like, I could get it under control, you know? Um, so getting arrested helped me to get some days between me and my last, the last time I used drugs and I like started to, um, you know, detox from the heroin and the cocaine and the alcohol. But so there's, there's this treatment center in Ypsilanti, Michigan called Dawn Farm. And that's the place where I finally started to get it. You know, like I got out of jail in early January of 2017. I was court ordered not to go back home because my brother lived there and I had a domestic violence charge against him. Um, so I went and stayed with my other brother, Joey in, um, Palmyra. And, uh, I stayed there for like a week sleeping on an air mattress and made calls and found this treatment center called Dawn farm, which I had heard of, you know, all the years that I had been looking up, um, rehabilitation centers and like going to them, I had heard about this Dawn farm, but it was a longer term one. It's 90 days. It's like you go to a farm and you work on the farm. And that sounded horrible to me. Like, I don't want to do that while I'm detoxing. I want to lay in bed and get fed. And it was the only one I hadn't tried. So I was like, fuck it. You know, I need a long-term place. I need something that's going to separate me from my life for longer than 30 days. And it was a 90 day program. And I went there and that's really when things started to change for me. Like they have, uh, a good program there that integrates you into the AA community. You know, um, Ann Arbor has a very, very strong AA community and it's not just like old alcoholics. There's a lot of people my age and younger and older that are drug addicts, alcoholics, like all forms of addiction. And a lot of them are recovering and doing well. And so there's a good support network. And Dawn Farm's main goal is to integrate you into that community and then um, build a foundation for your recovery. And then from there, like you can start building your life. A lot of places you'll go, they'll take the drugs out of you, you know, like do like a quick spin cycle where you just dry out 
and then you go back to your old life. And then of course that doesn't fucking work. Right. You know, 99% of people when they go back to their old life are going to go back to doing the same shit they were doing before. Right. So, all right, we're going to take a break. Cool. Uh, get more into your life. You brought your guitar. Maybe we'll play some songs. Yeah, for sure. All right. We'll be right back. I want to welcome Bluesfield Insurance Agency to the All Things Random Podcast as a local sponsor. If you or your business is willing to local sponsor, bring it. Blissfield Insurance Agency since 1974. PIA offers a wide selection of trusted insurance carriers because we work with reputable insurance companies. We are able to provide competitive prices and the best policies. At Blissfield Insurance, we look for options that make insurance affordable for our existing and potential clients. We will make sure you understand your insurance policy and receive all available discounts on insurances that you qualify for. Blissfield Insurance has been a trusted insurance agency in Michigan since 1974. Our team of professional agents specialize in personal, home and auto, and commercial insurance services. Our insurance agency has become a trusted partner in Lenaway and surrounding counties in Southeast Michigan. Please call if you have any questions at 517-486-4888. All right, welcome back, everybody. I got, we still have John here in the studio. Uh, he's going to play something, maybe one or two, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, sure. Uh, take it away, John. Cool. So this is an original called In a Song. Um, sometimes I play it like with a country voice, and sometimes I play it with more of a punk rock voice. Because I'm going to do something in the middle of that today. Talked to a couple people along the way, and I noticed gleaming in their eyes. Yeah, the same thing I had in mind when I was living my life right. Took my dog into the yard to run and play. Take advantage one of the less sunny days before old man winter rolled along. You gotta get that sunlight when you can, before you know it, it'll all be gone. And I see clocks all around 
in the morning say to myself go get your problems take them down off that shelf then grab your guitar put your problems in a song because music makes shit better so that's where my woes belong in a song Thank you. That's damn good. I had a fucking tobacco pouch in my mouth the whole time, and it was fucking me up a little bit. Nice. So now you know you can sing with one. Yeah, I've actually <laughs> done that a bunch of times. Um, let's see. I'll play a cover song. All right. Too. This one. This is a Bright Eyes song. It's probably my favorite song to play. Um, it's called First Day of My Life. This is the first day of my life So I was born right in the doorway And out in the rain suddenly everything changed They're spreading blankets on the beach Here's the first face that I saw Think I was blind before I met you nor I am, don't know where I've been, but I know where I want to go. And so I thought I'd let you know. These things take forever, I especially am slow. But I realized that I need you, wondered if I could come home. Remember the time you drove all night Just to meet me in the morning I thought it was strange, you said everything changed You felt as if you just woke up And you said, this is the first day of my life But I didn't die before I met you now I don't care, I could go anywhere with you And I'd probably be happy So if you wanna be with me well, These things there's no telling, we just have to wait and see But I'd rather be working for a paycheck Than waiting to win the lottery Uh-huh, uh-huh Besides, maybe it's time it's different. I mean, I really think you like me.
Fantastic. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. I, I've always wanted to learn how to play that, the guitar. But it's never too late. It's too late. It's not. It's too late. It's not. It's too late. Should I be over here? Should I be back over here? I've, uh, I've even come to the point of like this close. Like, have you bought a guitar? No, no, no. Not even a guitar, but any musical instrument. I've come this close. Yeah. Or in a drum set. Oh, hell yeah. Drums are so much fun, dude. Especially if you have like any anger at all, because you just fucking get that shit out. Wait, when we go out to Missouri on a hunting trip, I go every year. They have uh, the people that own it, their family. You get the, the husband, the wife two sons yeah so the husband he plays the drums the wife plays the keyboard his two sons they're in their 20s uh the one plays bass one plays guitar nice they sang yeah that's awesome uh the one son his wife recently married she sings hell yeah the other dude that plays bass the other son his girlfriend sings it's like a whole big fucking thing and it's like you just sit there and you're like God, these people are so fucking talented. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's no, for me, there's no better feeling than like getting together with a group of people and playing music. Right. You know, like, especially like I see families that have music in their blood and like over the holidays, you know, like the father, the grandfather, the uncles, like they're, they all like jam together in Mm -hmm. a room, like around Christmas time. And it's just like, it's the best shit in the world. Right. And music. Like I said in the one line of my song, like music does make shit better. Yeah. It makes bad things better. It makes good things better. I I just don't know if I can do it. You can. <sighs> Everything is just practice, man. Like you can still when our parents told us that we could do anything, like they weren't they weren't right, right. but they weren't wrong either. Yeah. They weren't lying. <laughs> you know, like you can do anything if you practice you just got to practice like that's what it was for me like I always I spent you know I played bass when I was in high school and I was in bands and um then when I moved to New York I had to decide between music or art because I didn't have enough time to get good at both of them and I chose art and then I'd spent you know fucking over a decade wishing that I still played music right and then when I turned 30 I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just going to start. I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. And my dad had an old uh, Yamaha acoustic guitar that I fucked around with. And I had a little bit of natural talent. So I practiced on that for a couple of months. And then I went ahead, <clears throat> excuse me, and I spent, you know, like over $1,000 on this guitar that I have here. All right. And that for me i'm not recommending it for, i'm not recommending that everybody just goes out and buys an expensive instrument um but for me like the amount of money that i spent on it made me feel like i had to fucking play it and then i just practiced for like 3 hours a day for over a year and i started getting good and mm-hmm. i'm not great but right. i'm okay and it's really fun for me so don't buy the expensive one I'll cancel this $5,000 drum set right now. I, <laughs> I would say get something that you can beat on right? and practice for a little bit. And if you see yourself consistently practicing and getting better, even if you're not getting better, if you're enjoying it, 
then go ahead and spend a little more money. Because like a lot of the stuff I ordered for this shit is uh, I ordered from Sweetwater. Yeah. So oh, like, yeah. you get that catalog and you're like yeah. going through it. You're like, oh shit, oh. like I can't. I I don't know how to play any of that stuff. I've been looking at a um American professional Fender Telecaster from Sweetwater mm-hmm. for like over a year now. It's like nineteen hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm ready to transition from just acoustic music into more electronic stuff yeah. and. I'm going to buy that guitar. I know it. It's just a matter of like the day that I'm just like, fuck it. Yeah. And I just press the buy button, you know? See, I went down, I got this microphone here at guitar center. Cause I was down there picking up a cable for TV or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I look at the microphones. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck. And I bought a microphone. Yeah. But there was a dude who just like walks in and everybody like knows this guy. I don't know. They're like, Hey Steve. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, how you doing? And he just goes over and starts jamming. Yeah. And he played, he played Eruption. Nice. And it was right after Eddie Van Halen's death. Oh, rest in peace. I'm like, like is this guy just doing this? And they're like, no, nah, he comes in every fucking week and does this. He just comes in and jams. Yeah. yeah. When Before I bought this guitar, I went to the, the Guitar Center in Toledo you're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. I went in there. I played literally every single guitar in that acoustic room at mm-hmm. least twice. Yeah. And this one was in there, and I ended up buying it. But I played, I went there almost every day for months right you know and just like played every single one of them so do you feel like that is your new drug um no no i don't um because it's something that you could not play right away yeah it's just like sit there for a month or whatever yeah sometimes like i have to tell myself pick up your guitar and play i never had to tell myself like you got to pick up the heroin (laughs) You know, the heroin was just always Always there. Like, pick me up, pick me up. Even now, it still is. Right. Um, It's always going to be, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the guitar is definitely gives me relief Mm -hmm. from that voice that, like, wants me to use drugs. You know, any creative outlet does. Do you think when you said you went to New York, you had your art and music? Yeah. Do you think if you would have chose music, your life would have been different? In some ways, but I don't, they're super similar. Right. You know? yeah, there's, there, yeah. There's a lot of both. And I don't know which one I feel like. Cause so like, I don't think I wasn't the best tattoo artist. Like I was good, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like fucking rock star status. Yeah. And I also feel that I wouldn't have been rock star musician status. I would have been like middle of the road, but like livable, you know, um, Dude that plays in a house band somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like opening for other bands. Right. Um, but never like fucking stadium filler guy. Like I don't have any you don't know. delusions about that. I mean, maybe, but probably not. <laughs> um so I mean, I'm sure my life would have been different, but I feel like no matter what choices I made, like me being who I am, I would have gone down a similar road. Right. You know, because I am me, no matter what else i do no matter what outside influences or like distractions or anything that i have in my life like i'm still me yeah so you guys <clears throat> i don't know what i was gonna say but <laughs> um so you're you i see photos and stuff on facebook obviously like you've got a good core of people yeah right yeah like, I did do. you meet them all at the farm not at the farm, no. Um, I met 
my son's mom at the farm Mm -hmm. and a lot of the people that are like really strong supports. A lot of the people that I was in the farm with um, are still sober now, Mm -hmm. which is kind of rare actually, but there's a good portion of them and like really good friends of mine. One of whom I used to play music with a lot. Um, I have a lot of good supports that are still sober that I met while I was at the farm, but they're not um, part of my daily friend group. But everybody that I'd spend time with, I met through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You have a connection. Yeah. And you feel like a bond basically. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm part of a community there and like people recognize me. People know me. If I start acting fucky, Mm -hmm. like people call me out on it, you know, because we're all, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, like when I'm alone and nobody's watching is when like I make the worst decisions, right? you know? And so having this large community of people that I'm always around, like they notice things that I'm doing. They notice when I, I'm not acting right mm-hmm. before I do. Yeah. And then they can say something to me. And, um, as long as I stay open to the criticism and the input that other people have for me, right? Like I have a better defense against getting high or getting drunk again, you know? And so, yeah, I'm a part of a community and that community is a portion of what keeps me sober along with the, you know, working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous because that's a huge part of it too. Yeah. That way huge part. Like the biggest part. Yeah. (laughs) But I've never had that experience. I've never, you know, I, like I said, it's a disease. I don't have that disease. Right. So I don't know. There's days or weekends I can drink and there's weekends I don't. It's yeah. Half the time I could give a fuck. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I envy you for that. I, I cannot, I oh, can't, don't envy me. man, I fucking, I love scotch. Like I love scotch mm-hmm. and I think about the taste of it sometimes. I don't, I try not to dwell on it, right. but like I would, I would fucking love to be able to get out of work and Just go home a, and drink like two fingers of a nice fucking 12 year scotch. Right. And then that's it. But like I'll sip the scotch and then I won't stop and build from there and then I'll do cocaine and then I'll do heroin. Marijuana is a gateway. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't like marijuana. I'm too old for it. I think, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I liked it when I was younger, but as I got older, like even like toward the end of my drug use, like I didn't, didn't smoke at all right. ever. Cause like, I just don't care for it. It makes me feel. Well, it didn't get you to that place. Yeah. Right. That heroin got you to. No, not even close. Yeah. So why bother? Yeah. 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 It just made my mouth dry and made me feel like paranoid. And that was it. And I didn't put, Milk and my mac and cheese. Yeah, and yeah, and then you don't get fucking creamy mac and cheese, and that's bullshit. So. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned you had a child. Yeah. What is he? How old is he now? He will be two on January twentieth. Congratulations, His name's Owen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. He's fucking sweet. Out of. You're not the last person I thought that I'd ever have a kid, but. No, but <laughs> not the first either. Yeah. No, man. I, you know, I always wanted to be a dad. But, like, I never felt like <clears throat> like I was ready for it right. ever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when I had this kid, I would say that um, I was more ready 
at that point than I had ever been previously in my life, which isn't necessarily saying much, Mm -hmm. but you know, like I had been sober for a couple of years and my life was relatively stable. I had a good job, which I still have now, Mm -hmm. you know, um, unfortunately his mom was not ready and that, you know, caused things to fall apart. Right. You know, she ended up relapsing and I don't want to put a lot of her business out in the right. public, but it. you know, um, things didn't go good. She passed away in June of this year. And so now I am fighting in the court to, you know, have my son yeah. have full custody of my son and be a single father which is going to be a challenge, but I'm up for it. Right. And my it's boy a, needs me. A new challenge in your life you're willing to take on. Yeah, man, I want to. Like, right. I can think for most of my life, like, I would have run from something like this. Right. You know, but family is important to me. You know, like, I have a good-sized family. I have four brothers, and my parents, you know, they were married for my whole life. My dad passed away, jeez, uh, 10 12 years ago, maybe really? Man, it's been a long time. Wow. Uh, I think it was 2008, but I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah. Family really matters to me. And that's my boy, you know, like he needs me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned a lot of hard lessons in this world. Right. And I feel like I have things to offer him that can help him, yeah. you know, help him to have an easier path than I had and have a better life than I had. And I'm also in a financial position to do so, right. you know, for the first time in my life. Yeah. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I am a dad now. I'm, I'm a father now. I'm ready to be a dad or I'm a dad now and I'm ready to be a father. I don't know how <laughs> well, that works. I don't know. <laughs> I'm ready to be both, yeah. you know, so it's time. So you said four brothers. Yep. God, there's, it seemed like there was more Bertles than the so, five of you. Yeah. There's always, there's like one in every grade, wasn't there? It's because we were two and a half years apart. And so <laughs> there was always at least one of us, like in the high school, the middle school, and the elementary school. So we just had everything covered. Yeah. And it was, you know, um, for, geez, what, the youngest one is 28 maybe. And the oldest one is like 41. So yeah, there's a good spread there. Yeah. You know, like. I. You were always great in school. Maybe not with school. Right, right. But, like, just talk. You can talk to anybody. Like, you show up out of the fucking blue, and here at a bar in Blissfield, (laughs) I don't know how many years ago, and you're still John Bertel. You're still, you know, that you don't change, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, that's what I mean. That's what I meant when I said, like, no matter what path my life took, like, I'm still myself. Yeah. You know, I feel, so I can remember this one specific time in my childhood when I was, like, sitting there in my room and I was playing with G.I. Joes or Legos or something. And I was like, man, I can't wait till I'm a grown-up and I can, like, do whatever I want. Yeah. And I, like the the that thought that i had isn't really doesn't really matter for like what i'm trying to say right now but um i remember my mind back then and like the way that i felt and like i still feel that 
that kid like i'm still that kid you know like i still feel the same way like i still think the same way um well it's it's probably been 10 years since i've talked to you yeah and it's it's no different than 10 years ago when we were talking yeah yeah for sure dude we're just older now yeah i yeah man we are i mean grown-ups are really just fucking kids that are allowed to use machines gas-powered equipment you know like just wear your, th- yeah. your PPE. Yeah, 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 dude. I think about it when I'm at work and I'm like operating a chainsaw or something. It's yeah. like there's nothing different about me now that no, it's like, makes me better, like more equipped to fucking use this thing than ever before. It's like yesterday, I was cutting concrete. Oh, I, yeah. I'm fucking not built for cutting concrete right. anymore. Like I've I've done it before, and then stepdaughter bought a house and needed fence posts put in yeah to for a gate for their dogs okay and it's like oh, fuck. so i like cut the concrete i'm like it's fucking awesome it's hard work it is and then i'm busting the concrete with a sledgehammer <laughs> the best part of the day was when i got done yeah it's like oh, my whole body hurt last night yeah hell yeah like i can't fucking do this why well, <laughs> don't do this i just sit in a seat all day long it's all right yeah fucking a yeah i can't do manual labor i still do manual labor man i'm fat (laughs) (laughs) i'm old (laughs) i feel you dude we're getting old yeah i fucking rolled my ankle like two weeks ago and it still hurts right now you know like (laughs) any tiny injury and it lasts forever i don't i just don't heal right and not like i said i still do that manual labor i get like I don't get hurt, hurt, mm-hmm. but I get like little hurt yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's just like stays with me. And now my entire body is just like a series of little hurts everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to get in some shape, but yeah. Start yeah. exercising, man. We have a Peloton. A what? A Peloton. Is that one of those fucking, it's a fancy bike. Okay. I can't ride. Does it, it have a screen and then like yeah. lets you go up the mountains and shit? Yeah. Is there like a big booty girl in fucking yoga pants in front of you? Yeah. Hell yeah. I can't ride it. No. The seat's too hard. It hurts my ass. Oh, get a seat cover, dog. Uh, I should. Um, so I want to thank you for coming. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Like I told you, that, um, when I started this whole deal, there's a list of people that I wanted to reach out to who I thought had a story. And you're one. Thank you. And, uh. I think you told some of your story today. I did more than I've told in a while. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy for you. Thanks man. Yeah. I'm like when I messaged you, cause my, my hardest thing was how do I contact a guy that I haven't spoke to in God knows when about his struggles in life, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, how do you do that? And like you said, get to the point. Yeah. You just do it. So I, I messaged you and asked you. Hell yeah. And I'm grateful for you coming in and uh, I hope I hope you stay on the track you're on right now, John. Yeah, man. I plan on it. Right. I plan on it. So I uh, wish you all the best with this too. Like, this is cool. I'm really proud of you for doing something that you want to do yeah. something that you're passionate about. And like we talked, I don't know if it was on here or not, uh, that you would like to try something like this. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I got, I got the microphone. All you need is this laptop. Right. And that USB mic. Yeah. That's all you need. This, I know, I don't know why I fucking spent it. It's this. got lights on it, man. It's cool. Well, I, I bought all this because, like, 
Hey! Oh, hell yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> but like, it's got other stupid stuff on it, but originally I bought it. To, I thought I could take it on the road with me. Yeah, you can't. I can, but it records with a uh, a mini SD card. Okay. And then to convert it, it, I don't know any of that shit. There's so I just convert. I just record to this right and on. use this for hooking up all this shit. If does that have an SD card input? Yeah. So they have like the SD cards that oh you can put a mini SD card inside yeah. of and you just yeah. use that. So then, but it's weird. It's stupid. Right. I tried it, and that's how I fucked up one. Oh, nice. Because I can't edit it. I don't know how to edit it. I don't know how to any of that stuff. So I just record live, no editing. And fuck it. Fuck yeah, it. just just do it. Just going to send it. Yeah. Right? So thank oh, you. Yeah. Thanks, man. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of All Things Random Podcast. We'll see you next week, maybe. <laughs>